Welcome to Booty and Bossy Eat, Drink, Knit. This is episode 24, and it's our Valentine's Day. <laughs> and in honor of Valentine's Day, we have a celebrity super special guest, uh, our sister, Melissa Klein. Hi! <laughs> Listeners might recall that we often talk about her. And so we thought it was high time that we invite her onto this episode. And she is a self-employed artist, writer, and comedian based in Squim, Washington. And she has recently written a horror comedy memoir, which I think is a new genre. A horror comedy memoir, Matchless Tales of Online Dating, in which she talks about valentine's day so we thought this was the perfect opportunity to bring her into the show so she could be here when we talk about her because that happens and defend myself defend yeah. yourself yes we'll start with our special valentine's recipe which is french silk chocolate pie booty do you want to tell us a little bit about where this recipe comes from so this is another recipe that came from the cookbook that mom gave us. And what mom said about this recipe was it came from her sorority sister, Margaret Batson. And it turns out that Margaret Batson was, <laughs> I think this is really funny, the director of food services for the Pooter R1 school district from 1963 to 1985. And she contributed to our cookbook, lentil soup, chicken barley casserole, and French silk chocolate pie, <laughs> which are all excellent. I have to say, it blows my mind that this recipe is from a dietitian because <laughs> just to prepare our listeners, it's a little bit like eating chocolate butter, which yes. is what makes it so good excellent well and and margaret was also the one who taught mom about having chili with sweet rolls and dill pickles that that yes. is an excellent combination and i think that she introduced sweet rolls into the pooter school district as well <laughs> well i just love that mom still remembers that being everybody's favorite lunch. I think they served it on Thursdays. And she remembered that after 65 years. And who remembers good school lunches anyway? I think Margaret Batson must have just been an incredible person. But Liz, do you want to tell us what you remember about French silk yeah. chocolate pie? So it was our big brother's birthday and he had asked for that as his sort of birthday cake as a family favorite. And I had recently come back from uh, being uh, in France for about a month. I sound so privileged here uh, <laughs> on an exchange program. And I had discovered that if I said things with a French accent, even if I didn't know what the word was, that the people generally knew what it was. And so everybody's looking at me and mom turned to me and she was like can you say you know what this is in french actual french the subtext of this given that that was a very expensive thing that we sent you on <laughs> and <laughs> and everybody was looking at me and i kind of freaked and i just went 
chocolate pea. <laughs> chocolate pea. And Darren, who actually speaks French much better than I do and had, had been to France a couple of times and all this stuff and has French friends, he was like, Liz, no, tart au chocolat. <laughs> oh. Oh, well. But chocolate pea stuck in our family and we now yeah, wants, i didn't even remember the part about oh, chocolate yeah so you coined it and just so you know to all of our listeners mom hi mom hi mom th this is in a nutshell is melissa is <laughs> <laughs> make it up it. but it'll be good and then it'll stick we actually have a lot yeah. of melissa Coinisms, phrases, what, what yeah. would you Pompademic say? or yeah. yeah. Words so one of one of my favorites is pompademic, which is a combination of pompous and academic. And if that you're in academia, <laughs> then you know what that <laughs> the means. The woman with the ultimate teacher voice, which is Jenny. <laughs> I use that word every day in my job. <laughs> such an excellent word another one that i love is tolerating it's when you're oh, yes. tolerating but you're also hating it yeah. i i coined that because my my then husband was waiting for me to try on i think it was bathing suits or clothes and or shoes or whatever he was we were shopping and he was just sort of parking himself in the corner and just like oh but being very patient about it <laughs> this yes. might be why the marriage didn't work i don't know yeah, he was tolerating. Yeah, tolerating. I know. But so Melissa has one of the many reasons we love Melissa is that she comes up with excellent words for things. And so chocolate let me tell you how to make it. It's got a lot of butter. And here's the thing. Mom used to actually double the recipe so that there would be more filling. I usually do about one and a half times. But basically, you make a, a crust and cool it. You could also do a graham cracker crust if you wanted s'mores, or I think a chocolate cookie crust would be really good. So you make the crust and have it completely cooled, and then you whip together. This is just one recipe, so not doubled. One stick of softened butter, three quarters of a cup of sugar. You whip that together until it's really nice and light, and then you melt and cool slightly two ounces of unsweetened chocolate and dump that in to the butter and sugar mixture and add a teaspoon of vanilla. You could also add some strong coffee or espresso or a liqueur. So you add the melted chocolate and the vanilla into the butter and sugar and you beat that. You do need to scrape down the bowl pretty frequently. And then you add one egg and you beat that for three minutes. And then you add another egg. So two eggs total for three minutes. I have to tell you, initially you look at it and you think, oh my God, I've I've made chocolate sand here. It it's kind of weird. But then the magic of it is that after putting in the eggs, that second egg and beating it, it becomes this silky French well, I guess it's not really, it's just silky. It's like, it's like a mousse and you pour it into the pie crust and refrigerate it for a couple of hours and take it out and you can put whipped cream on top. We usually do that. 
raspberries. You could do a chocolate shavings, any kind of little garnish, but it is just so delicious. In terms of the booty and bossy, our favorite recipes, you tend to have the ingredients on hand if you have unsweetened chocolate on hand, which I, I generally do. Other than the larder, yes. Yes, that's pretty much it. And, you know, other than that, it's butter, sugar, eggs. So the difference between this and a mousse, a mousse would be whipped cream and sugar and chocolate. And this is eggs and sugar and chocolate. I have never, ever, ever gotten sick off of the raw eggs in this. So we should probably say there is a risk with the raw eggs. But the other thing I was going to say is that you do have more than one pot. You've got, you're melting your chocolate in the pot and then you've got your... Yeah, but you look at clean. It's so good. (laughs) Well, not the unsweetened chocolate. Yeah. Eh. (laughs) (laughs) And and then you have your whipped cream. Yeah. But yeah, but but we, we don't usually do that, that rule so much for desserts because it's, it's hard to do it for desserts. It is. But what I like about it, because I've made mousses before and sometimes they set and sometimes they don't. And Mm -hmm. I feel like this is very reliable. Everybody loves it. You could do individual servings too. It's pretty flexible. And it's just a special Valentine's thing. Now, I will admit when I made it last, I suck at the crust. <laughs> and my crust was so hard that my poor friend Betsy, as she was holding it on her lap, tried to cut it. It flipped out, turned over, ended up in her in her hoo-ha, which Toby was like, ooh, whipped cream. What's <laughs> not to like about this? And so in a crotch, that's like crotch. (laughs) Yeah. The perfect serving. You were worried about me. (laughs) (laughs) I like it because it's more substantial than a mousse. I've just been dying mm -hmm. to say this because I feel like with mousses, I eat the whole thing, like kind of like a dog, like a lab. And then I'm like, yeah, what happened? Where's where to go? It's gone. Whereas this, I feel like just has more substance to it. And I feel yes. more satiated, although I still have to have another piece. Yeah, <laughs> it is oddly for something that's basically chocolate butter. It is oddly light. But yeah. anyway, I think you're right. It has a good combination of light, but also substantial. So mm-hmm. and the crust is really good, though, if it, well, if you do a good crust, Booty does a great crust that you get the, the soft chocolate with a nice either cookie crusts would be good and. Or I like the saltiness of a traditional crust contrasting Mm. with the sweetness of the chocolate. We didn't mention that Melissa is a really good baker too and cook. Yes. (laughs) So Melissa actually worked at the same restaurant as Bossy. Jen taught me. Jen Jen stood next to me and she was like, faster, 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 cut faster. (laughs) But it was a great training. I feel like most of the cooking that I know how to do is based on that. So thank you for that. (laughs) Well, you're But well, so definitely highly recommend this for a Valentine's treat. I think we should move into Valentine's Day and we're going to put a chapter from Melissa's book matchless tales of online dating a horror comedy 
And I have to say, I love, there's two, well, there's a lot of things to love about Lissa's book, but, but I love the haiku at the beginning of the book, Melissa and I, I, I contributed we spontaneously. Maybe we spontaneously yes. came up with this together because we were just talking about, well, I'm writing this book. It's about online dating. So guess what? There's an adult element to it. And we knew that our mother would be kind of nervous about reading it and actually didn't want to read it. So do you want to go in yeah. there, Jen? And say- so the haiku that we came up with, because haikus are always great for spontaneous. It's the only poetic structure that both of us knew. So here's the haiku for our mom about Liz's book. Shit, I got divorced. I dated and I hated. Mom, stop reading here. So (laughs) that was our, and I love on the cover too, or maybe this is on the back. To the men I dated, thank you for the material. I composted it. That's like, yes. I think that <laughs> Melissa and I were brainstorming on that one. <laughs> that yeah. was, I mean, Melissa came up with it. I was there. Yeah. Well, yes. I feel like you guys are very, and my whole family, it's all very, in many ways, it's it's a love letter to my friends, my family, and maybe a hate letter to <laughs> some of the guys <laughs> that I dated. But I was really excited to be on here, especially around Valentine's Day, for a couple reasons. One is that, Single people, I think, often get left out of Valentine's Day or feel like inadequate. It was interesting when we were talking, comparing notes, because you guys have been married both a long time and have children and the different perspectives that come from that. But I was also excited to share about it because people tend to focus in about the naughty bits in my book. And yes, they're there, but it's so much more than that. It's about self-discovery finding self-worth in the world and really examining love. I believe in love. I wrote this book because I believe in love. And this is kind of like a stance for that. And I wanted to say something about it. Well, and I do think Valentine's Day, I think, can be such a mixed gambit of emotions. Do you want to talk a little bit about what you see as the problem of Valentine's Day? When I taught high school students, one of the things I like to do was survey them about any subject that was on people's mind. I would often have these sentence starters and I had a sentence started for them. Valentine's Day is, and then just say what you think. And so one of my students said, Valentine's Day the more dysfunctional the relationship, the bigger the presence. That couple that's breaking up and making up, that's the girl who gets the teddy bear, the balloon, the candies, you know, (laughs) all the stuff. But then a boy said something, which was Valentine's Day, the day that men are set up to fail. Mm. And Everybody nodded on both of those counts. And so I think it's become worked where instead of just this pure expression of love, it's become this tug of war in romantic relationships. It seems like I'm not sure exactly. I haven't really talked to my gay friends about it, but kind of a tug of war between couples for some of them, not all. I've noticed that happy couples are like, yeah, we don't care whatever we had a hamburger. But when you're in those dating phases where you're hoping for that, it's this 
the great expectations that are then dashed <laughs> for not getting them fulfilled. And it also becomes a way to measure love that, what did you get? Did you get a, the elegance of a single red rose, which says to me, the dude is cheap. Um, <laughs> there's a commodification of Valentine's Day. Like it's become this way to measure love. And I have a horrible history with the Valentine's Day. <laughs> it's a recurring theme in my book in which whether it's my past history or what was going on at the time with dating, it was just like... <laughs> I must have like a Valentine's Day curse. I don't know what I did in a former life to deserve that. <laughs> well, I think you're not alone in feeling that way, that it's a setup for either side. And I loved what you said about your high school students, because how are they? <laughs> 16 and already they you know. made these great <laughs> observations about how Valentine's Day sets us up. What I loved about your chapter was that you didn't leave it there, that as much as there are these expectations and the measuring and the commodification, that's not actually where you left it. So do you want to read the part you mentioned already, a single rose? And do you want to read what becomes yeah. the antidote for all of those things, because I thought this was really beautiful. Oh, thanks, Jenny. I, I would love to. And we did rehearse this and I did agree to it. So um, <laughs> <laughs> I've been I've been dying to be on this show, like ever since you started it. Um, OK, so here's the excerpt from Matchless. Uh, Imperfect Hearts and Roses for Valentine's Day is the chapter. I've never liked red roses. Red roses from the store are all the same. They are generic. The few times I've received a red rose, it's usually because the guy fucked up. After a big fight or cheating, if I get a red rose, I'm like, ah, oh, shit, what did you do? The only roses that I received that I truly loved were from my father on my birthday in April. He had the advantage of being the director of the Morris Arboretum, which had a large rose garden he could pick from. But it was more than that. On the morning of my birthday, he would go into the garden and pick roses of all different colors, shapes, and sizes. Yellow, white, pink, orange, peachy blends that were tinged on the edges with carnelian, tight rosebuds, tulip-shaped roses, and full-blown cabbage roses. And yes, one or two classic red beauties in the bunch. He would strip the thorns off the stems with a special tool because the thorns absorb water and nutrients from the roses and hammer the ends of the stems to open them up to absorb more water and keep longer. That's love. Taking the time and effort to strip away the thorns of daily life, bringing beauty into someone's day and taking steps to make it last. They were my roses, but our whole family shared them. We all enjoyed looking at them on the dining room table. And that wasn't something special he did just for me. He gave all of us roses on our birthdays, even my brother. He gave roses to my mom just because, and not because he messed up. I often found him arranging a vase to bring to the hospital for a board member of the garden or a friend who was ill. This man worked 70 to 80 hours a week and still found time to pick and arrange rose bouquets for those he loved. 
Those roses didn't fit into any mold or were color-coded according to certain types of love, which were more or less valued. They defied stereotyping. He gave roses to many people, but it was never generic. I want to be with someone who wants to do romantic things. For that to happen, I need to be more romantic and show my love for other people, for all kinds of love, to love more freely and more wisely. Well, that's lovely, Liz. I love that part about stripping away the thorns of the day and giving someone something beautiful. And I, I think that's that's what we all want Valentine's Day to be. And I think in order to really do that, it has to be on an everyday basis or on a not on a once a year. I mean, that's the problem. That's the setup yeah. is the with all of these holidays that you're expected to which which, when you're expected to do something then the other person is entitled to something and that combination is never good (laughs) (laughs) and yet i feel like it's a balance you know like we tend to have kind of flexible birthdays but we do celebrate Mm -hmm. them in some ways somehow And I love the everyday. So my husband puts out my cereal bowl and spoon on the counter every morning. To me, it says, I'm thinking about you. I hope you have a good day. Because, you know, I'm still in bed. I thought he was like, how about a small breakfast? (laughs) How about something light? How about something light? (laughs) Don't eat too much cheese. Don't eat too much cheese. Yeah. I think what's great, though, is that our father set such a good example of being a loving, kind person throughout the year. And I I think it gets at, too, that I think one of the problems with Valentine's Day is that there's a way that everything is prepackaged. You should give roses, Mm. even if maybe they should be red, (laughs) they should be red or chocolate. When I think those really meaningful gifts are personalized and to the particular individual and that's what makes them so special i know my husband in the winter months he'll go out before i get into the car and he cleans off the car and Mm -hmm. that is such a huge gift to me well because i'm one of those people who wakes up early and i'm still late to work always think I could be. and then I get you know I get out of the car and be like oh my god I I, I didn't allow for <laughs> 10 minutes out the car <laughs> right yeah, and right it, right you get out yeah. to the car and it's like oh well and I also I suck at it too mm. I suck at pie crusts and cleaning out the cars <laughs> you know and so you're a when good I person was... other than that um. <laughs> <laughs> no I remember my son used to be like who cleaned off the car? It looks like the chickens did it because it did. It looked like it. There's other things you do really well, Jen, like the caramels that you make. So let's not stress too much about the fact that your car is a little snowy. You have a husband for that. (laughs) Well, but I do. I so appreciate that he does that. And it's such a little thing. I remember I think I was reading somewhere where somebody said, you know, I kind of knew our marriage was ending when my husband didn't bring me coffee anymore it was just the that little thing that he did every day that said i see you i'm thinking of you you occupy a space in my brain and when that was gone i think she knew 
I think what we want to say is, if you can, think of something, a kindness you can do for somebody. That's the thing to do for Valentine's Day. And I really like reaching out to people who don't normally get Valentine's Day or think as are normal candidates for it. I work with veterans. In fact, I've got a mural project going on for the American Legion and I'm going to totally do something ridiculous for them for Valentine's Day. Like they're going to find like some goofy heart because there's these old guys are not what you would think of as the normal. Find somebody who you think might be left behind on this. And I would also say too, sometimes that person can be somebody unexpected, like an attractive single person (laughs) that seems like they've got a lot of attention, but really they might be suffering on that day. I know I have plenty of time suffered as a single person. So you can give me something if you need. <laughs> mm. Thanks. Yeah. You accept chocolate. I like chocolate. <laughs> I like chocolate a lot. And I like marshmallows a lot. Marshmallows, yes. <laughs> no, I remember actually around Christmas time going to the grocery store and seeing this couple well the husband was already in the car and the wife and she must have been in her mid 80s because I remember her hair was like Auntie Myra's she had this braid that she swirled around at the top I haven't seen anybody wearing that hair since Auntie Myra in the 80s so that's why I'm basing that that she was probably in her age. and she was struggling to get this big bag into the backseat of the car and I said, oh, can I, can I help you? And she said, oh, yes, because my husband's in the car and I told him not to come out because this is a surprise. And I just thought that was so great. I was charmed for the rest of the day because first of all, if you're in your mid eighties and you're still trying to surprise your husband, I want to be that. I just thought that was, I mean, how many surprises are left? I love that. And I still think about that. And it was probably alcohol, but you know, <laughs> <laughs> it's the gift that keeps on giving. In terms of knitting, and knitting is mm. always, I mean, that is talked about a labor of love. Melissa, did you want to talk about some of the things that we've knit for you? <laughs> yeah, I think uh, <laughs> I absolutely adore your knitting. And every time I put on anything that you guys have made, I think of two things kind of happen. One is that I feel extremely loved and I wear all your stuff throughout the day, like the hats, the the fingerless gloves, the scarves, you name it. They're part of, but I also have this element of don't fuck with me. My sister's knit and they <laughs> have large, dangerous knitting needles that TSA for some reason allows on the planes, which I don't even understand, but That's how dangerous knitters are. Like it's a protective thing, especially when I'm performing or have to do a presentation in front of a bunch of people. It's like, all right, I've got the knitted scarf. And recently (laughs) I went into volunteer hospice and they're lovely people. They do amazing stuff, helping people in their final transition, offering that support out of life. I mean, to me, that's love. I was wearing the scarf that Erica had knit me that was, she had done as a test knit. And there's knitters on that team. And so they immediately ripped the scarf off of me and were taking pictures. Of it. First of all, it was, a, it was a cowl. <laughs> but yes. the name of the pattern is the whale conga line. 
and it's a Michelle Lee Bernstein pattern. And she has a book that we've talked about before on brioche called Brioche Knit Love. She's fabulous. It was a really fun project to make because of the way the brioche worked. There was a motif on one side. It kind of looks like flames to me. And so it was perfect for Melissa's book because of the flames, the matchless mm. thing. So I pictured her at book signings wearing this cowl. And awesome. a large sign that said, my sister made this for me. Yeah. 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 Maybe, uh, you could, I could see an argument for those being hearts as well on the, on the motif. The yarn was also super yummy. It's the cereal nets dyer. Mm. And uh, in the red was called Drac snack and the gold is Mac and Jack, both of which are very kind of Seattle. like. <laughs> You can tell she's a local <laughs> dyer. So yeah, shout out to that. And it was so special because it matches the colors of my book. And so, and this one too was also amazing. I wear this a lot with a black, little black dress when so that, I perform. So Melissa's holding up a, uh, that was a silk scarf that we made a long time ago. And what was fun about that was bossing it half. And then sent it to me and I knit the other half. And I don't remember the pattern of the yarn. <laughs> I just remember it was tiny needles. Yeah. And it was slippery. I think it was the first time I had ever, we'll get Liz to take a picture of it. It was the first time I'd ever knit with silk. And I realized that silk is very slippery. But yeah, I think that was our first shared. Well, actually, first and last. Well, no, no, the blanket for mom. Oh, that's right. Yeah. 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 But uh, I think what's cool about both of these scarves is their versatility. I mean, the, the cowl hangs really beautifully. I can wear that with a dress or, or a shirt and kind of dress it up a little bit. And the, the silk one too, actually is surprisingly warm. So mm. occasionally I've worn that out doing horse stuff, but then I, I can wear it with a little black dress and look quite dressy. And it just adds this nice little pop of color. And also the protective spell that my sisters have woven into the knitting, yes. which is very potent and has Ooh. protected me many times. I love it. So yes. Well, and in terms of specifically Valentine's Day projects, I like to make little hearts for I had the, my preschoolers because it's a nice little stuffy. It's the perfect size for little hands. Yes. It doesn't take too long. I, I mean, I have to say little kids, I, I know that Valentine's Day is often so much about romantic love, but for me, the best is the little kids getting, I mean, and I know that you know, I remember making all the Valentines and having to make that. But when you get a Valentine from your child, and I remember my son is very into robots and spaceships and things. So he would, he'd write these Valentines out. And of course, the teacher and me was like, well, it's practice writing. Hmm. <laughs> but he would make up these great little phrases like, Meet me on planet love. I remember when he was first trying to write, he wrote U, the letter U, and then the letter R, and then A, and then a little asterisk star. You are a star. <laughs> and I would get Valentine's from him because his teachers would make him make 
Valentine's for who do you love the most? Uh, the, the right answer, children, is your mother. Okay. <laughs> that started young. I remember I give a shout out to my administrative assistant who told me the best story of she took her son to preschool for the first time and he was having an interview. And so they're like, oh, well, who are you? And she, he said, well, my name is Timmy and this is my best friend, Mommy. so valentine's you get all those little great moments from kids you know when they still think that mommy is your best friend how great is that (laughs) (laughs) i love it that's so sweet yes so try to think of some kindnesses you can do for somebody who maybe needs them for whatever reason yeah, maybe maybe you can make yourself your own chocolate pea and eat the whole thing. <laughs> yes, do it for yourself. Well, and um, <laughs> where can people reach you? Melissa? Uh, MelissaKlein.com is my website. It has a direct link to my book if you're interested in purchasing it. For some reason, there's another Melissa Klein who writes bodice rippers, <laughs> which are, I wrote the anti-romance novel and she writes pure straight romance novels and also Christian books somehow pop up under the search. So just go to my website, melissaklein.com and thank you. And that's Klein, K-L-E-I-N. And we will also be putting out Melissa reading the full chapter, not just the part of the chapter that she read in our podcast. So there'll be a button to push for that. And and we're going to depart from our usual, whatever you do, don't knit like my sister, and turn it over to our other sister. Don't mess with the knitter. They have knitting needles and they know how to use them. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Thank you, Liz. Yeah, Thank you again. Me. Check out our website, bootyandbossy.com. Have a wonderful Valentine's Day doing whatever it is to make you happy and to make others happy. <laughs>